Well, we're probably live, knowing you I'm just going to assume we are. So, welcome. Ah, chatters. No, of course not. I assume referring to the thumbnail, which says, are video games evil? But We'll see. We'll, yeah, we'll see <laughs> what we decide when we get into the discussion. Oops, so we we're the that. arbiter of truth when it comes to these questions. Specifically, so. things like video games and movies, apparently. Yeah. Yep. Anyways... <laughs> What do I normally say here? Welcome to the show for Sinners and Sufferers, where we have conversations about exploring theology, engaging culture, and video games now, apparently, all for weary souls in need of grace. Tonight, we're going to talk about video games. How many times can I say video games in the f- opening 30 seconds? No, we just lost half our audience. That's the hook, though. That's how we'll get our, our younger audience, the people who are really into video games. Um, we're going to talk about video games. We're going to discuss sort of the Christian perspective. Like, are they inherently bad? Can they be a good thing? Can you game to the glory of God? Are there dangers to be aware of with video games? Those sorts of things. And then we're going to get into our theology. We're finishing up our little mini-series on church. I think the next chapter is Communion of the mm-hmm. Saints, which sounds like more church. Yeah. Maybe we'll skip it if it's redundant. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about living in church community, the privileges, um, discipline, and when community hurts, which will be a good conversation. As always, my name is Cody. And my name is Kyle. And this is the intro. Speaking of video games, that intro has video game characteristics to it. It does. It has some little... Not Navi, Navi, Navi. I don't. I actually don't really know what the correct way of saying it is. Okay. I always say, "What do I always say?" Navi. Hmm. I don't usually say it out loud because I read it when yeah. I'm playing the game. Navi. I probably say Navi. I wanted. I wanted to include a little like nerdy flair in our intro, and I know that you love. Legend of Zelda, so mm-hmm. I figured you wouldn't be opposed to You a put little... the most annoying sidekick ever in the game <laughs> there, but it's iconic. So I mean, okay. I also, I have a whole folder of sound effects from Ocarina of Time, so I could just have, like, Link getting hurt sound in there, too, yeah. if that would be That'd better. That'd be fun, yeah. Or, like, Zelda going, oh! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because there's, there's actually no voices in it, so... Yeah. Well, there is kind of now, actually. They've moved into that territory i think i say navi navi yeah that's what i say i'm gonna lock that in as my i want to say live viewers let me know what you think but they're just gonna be typing it yeah so that's not really gonna help i guess um but anyways yeah we wanted to talk about video games uh i mean we talked we've talked about movies and stuff like Mm -hmm. that but i thought it was interesting because i i've been playing some more games recently i kind of go through phases and i think it's specifically moving slightly more in frame sure i think i'll go through like a phase where i'm reading a lot and i just love books and then i'll get so burnt out of books so then i'll get into video games and they'll play video games until i'm just so burnt out of video games and i'm like huh might as well read a book and i'll start reading books again i kind of go through these seasons of books or video games i i don't do that as much as I'm pretty consistent on video games, although I don't play a ton, I do play video games fairly consistently. Yeah. Um, actually, the most consistent I've been in reading has been this past year with The Wheel of Time. Yeah. I'm on book 13 of 14 now. Uh, but it's an audiobook, so yeah. some people would say that's cheating. I don't care. Um, other than that, a real book that I've read this year, actually reading with my eyes, was. Um, that Hunger Games prequel, Songbirds and Snakes. Oh, okay. Um, and I was reading with Brittany uh, out loud, and uh, we've finished two. It's three a three part book mm-hmm. in there. We finished two parts and have not read for a little bit now. You're reading out loud. Yeah, that's so fun. Yeah, it kind of is. It's the first time I've ever done it, so it's it's been interesting. But it's like. I just realized this, this must have been like my introduction to audiobooks is one of my best friends in Bible college, Jeremy, 
found that he retained what he read better if he read it out loud. And I found that I retained what I heard better than what I read. So we had like a mm. little deal where I'd we'd like hang out in one of our rooms and he'd just read the text out loud for classes that we were in the same class. And then I'd just like lay there and listen to him read the text. Oh. But it felt like such a great deal for me because it's so much less work to listen than to read. Yeah. I don't retain as much when I when I'm hearing it, I don't think. Yeah. Cuz I it seems like what has happened in this is like I'll be reading something um and then I'll like understand what's going on and then Brittany will finish like the chapter cuz we'll split it up half and mm-hmm. half and I'll I'll be like I don't know what happened and I yeah. I only understand the ending, so yeah. But anyways, getting back on the topic of video games. Well, actually, I listen to Wheel of Time audiobooks when I'm playing certain video games. Like ones ones where there's not like dialogue, like Valheim, which is kind of just like you build and explore and you know, make Viking stuff. There's not like a story with voice acting that you're engaged in, so yeah. I can play the game and listen to something else. And there's a study I can't I can't remember where it was, but I've been citing it for years. Uh, they found that in like a lecture, students who played Tetris retained more information than students who took notes. And there's something about engaging just that engaging different your mind. part of your brain, like because there's no listening or reading in Tetris. You're keeping your hand busy. You're keeping like your visual part of your brain busy. So then the listening part of your brain is free to just listen and retain. Yeah. Whereas if you're trying to write down, you're not going to be able to write as fast as the teacher's speaking. And then you're, you're kind of double processing what you're hearing. And then you're like, my hand hurts because yeah. I'm trying to write. So then you have another thought in your mind. Yeah. That kind of makes sense because you, you can do Tetris on autopilot pretty easily. It's not too difficult. Yeah. So. I, I remember, so we'll get into some more serious discussion here, but I remember in, I think it was in a Romans class, I was playing Tetris and the class was divided on some things, probably something Calvinism related. And the teacher was playing really like just trying to get us to think and to like debate basically. And it was back and forth and back and forth. And I was listening while I played and I was kind of like, I feel like both sides of this argument right now are kind of missing this the point if they just read the next verse and I don't remember exactly what it was but I was like if they just read the next verse this whole argument would end and the teacher went or professor went Cody what do you think and I said well the next verse says this so doesn't that kind of make this whole argument moot and he's like yeah you'd think so wouldn't you and this girl behind me goes he's not even listening he's just <laughs> playing Tetris <laughs> what, what a snake she was like so offended that the teacher would commend my contribution when I was like, like just attention. sitting there playing a video game but um but yeah anyways I was I don't know what exactly it was that made me think of it but as I've been playing games recently I kind of remembered too like it's a common kind of I don't know not not argument but I've heard with a lot of married couples what they'll run into is like the guy will go play video games for four hours and the wife will be like you wasted four hours playing video games but then she'll watch like four hours of a Netflix show and Mm -hmm. think like well that's better because it's not video games yeah, because there's a stigma around video games that you're being lazy. And mm-hmm. It's like childish. Yeah. Well, and it, it reminded me of what we've talked about this way back when we did like our Mars Hill Driscoll episode like last Christmas, so almost yeah. a year ago now. How he, and it was the like the sermon I heard when I went, I think this guy's nuts. And he was talking about video games and he's like, video games are for pansies. Like if you're playing video games, you're not a real man. Go out and get into a real fight. Race Stop real living cars. in your parents' like, basement. Yeah, yeah, like that sort of thing. And I was just thinking, it's interesting how, oh, like, yeah, video games have this bad rap for being like, well, if you play video games, it's because you're not a man. It's because you're lazy, whatever else. But then I'm like, I'll spend all day driving like building a deck and then come home and play a racing video game and it's like oh how unmasculine how lazy yeah Yeah, like (laughs) is this an interesting idea and the other like kind of big stigma in the past has been like do video games encourage violence which is seems sort of ironic to me because it's almost the opposite Mm -hmm. where it's like video games are either encouraging 
laziness and slothfulness, or they're encouraging you to be active and actively commit violence. Yeah. And there's more, um, well, I think it's just people who are uninformed about, about video games because I think when I saw that as one of the bigger arguments was when call of duty was like Mm -hmm. huge. It still is big, but it like, it was like what everyone was playing, nothing else. Um, but you have games like Stardew Valley now. Stardew Valley is basically a, a farm simulator and yeah. like Harvest Moon, but different, a little bit different. Um, it's great. It's a great game. But what you have to do in the game is you have you, you have to understand like these people are going to be at this place at this time. So if I want to meet up with them or talk to them, I have to be there at this time. But I also have to water my plants so that they grow properly and then I have to harvest the, like mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff. So a lot of things and like I've seen people online who have full spreadsheets of like, yeah, this is what I have to do by day 14 of spring so that I and it's actually like engaging their mind in a different way and teaching um, like responsibility. Yeah. In a way. Um, And I think uh, I, I think the general public. Like people culture has started moving away from. Uh, video games are violent and useless and lazy, mm-hmm. especially because streamers are making so much money now. So it's actually like a legitimate job. Um, but Christians haven't caught up yet, it seems, because yeah. um, it's still talked against. I, I kind of I know it's like completely different, but I almost relate it to the conversation of um, should your kids play sports yeah. um, or be super active in sports? if it's to the detriment of them being at church on Sunday or youth group or whatever. Yeah. Um, because I think a lot of uh, Christians don't have nuance in that conversation either. And they just see yeah. it as a, a thing of, well, sports, if they're on Sunday, you should not play, play a sport. You should be at church and yeah. like, do that. And video games, it's the same thing where it's like video games are childish and promote laziness. Therefore, you sh- if you're a grown up human, yeah. you should not be playing them. Well, and I think there's definitely, there's like this subculture, this like of people who call themselves gamers and that's like their identity. Mm -hmm. They're like, I am a gamer. I drink gamer fuel and eat gamer snacks. Yeah. (laughs) And I think that's where it gets to the point where it's like, like just defining yourself by a single hobby seems weird. Yeah. Like if it was anything. Like if you're not a professional volleyball player, but you play volleyball on weekends and you're just like, yeah, I am a volleyball player. It's like, okay. It's like, yeah, I only drink volleyball drinks and eat volleyball snacks. Like, (laughs) like it'd be weird. But speaking of like Christians, I immediately thought of, which I haven't done in ages now, but when I was trying online for dating, Mm -hmm. You'd see a lot of profiles that are like looking for a God fearing man with a solid job who doesn't live with his mom. I'm like, hey, hey. and they're like, <laughs> and doesn't play video games. I'm like, oh, <laughs> like uh, that's that's a killer. And it's just so funny how like opposed a lot of kind of Christian culture is to that the idea of video games. Like, you never hear pastors talking about like they'll talk about movies they watch or, mm-hmm. or golf. Yeah, like golf is so much better. <laughs> play video games yeah yeah like it's not that active They're like you i go walk. out and i'm social and i play golf and it's like okay yeah like, and it's expensive it is very expensive but my i my dad is and my brothers are very into golf like mm-hmm. my my youngest brother he's actually become very good at golf in the past few years it's insane um and my dad has always been really good at golf um but I just never, I got too lazy by like hole eight. I'm just done yeah. for going 18 holes. Um, but it's kind of like, uh, it is a social thing. But at the same time, I'm kind of just like, you're just going from ball to ball and maybe yeah. having a conversation. But when someone's hitting, you're quiet. Like you don't yeah. talk. Well, if you're so. as bad as me, you spend half the time separated from the group off in the bush trying somewhere. To find, <laughs> trying to find your ball. Yeah. 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 What's well, the same with, uh, I like disc golf and the big difference of the disc golf is that, you know, don't have to pay to go to courses. So yeah. it's a lot more like accessible, That's true. but you're often, you're all like, this is a social thing. We brought a whole group and then you're all way off in different directions. Cause you suck at throwing your disc. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's where like one of your questions you have down is like, is there a healthy place for video games in a Christian's life? I think typically the argument is what we've said where it's like, 
you're being you're antisocial, you're lazy, mm-hmm. all that kind of things. But actually, video games are at this point now where like it's a very social thing. Um, even if you're playing like a single player game, people are on chat forums and Discord yeah. and stuff like that, and talking to other people about the game and figuring things out. And then um, I would also say that um, you know youth ministry backgrounds, um, doing youth ministry. Uh, I don't honestly, it, it depends on the group, but honestly, I don't think you'll be as effective if you have a message of video games are stupid, grow up. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like, don't get into video games at all. We did, um, like guys nights and girls nights for our youth group. And, um, the guys night was basically everyone bring your PlayStation yeah. and your TV and we'll set it up in the youth room and we're going to play video games, basically all mm-hmm. night. video games board games that kind of thing and it was great like some of the nights some of the best nights as far as like interaction with teenagers yeah which i think ends up leading to like genuine relationship which leads to yeah you know when speaking of like single player games like i have like a really great memory with like a small group i think it was actually a joint small group thing and it was some random like guys night where one guy was playing breath of the wild on mm-hmm. a projector which is a single player game and we're all just watching and he was trying to beat i can't remember what it's called but it's like the minotaur type thing or the guy yeah. riding something whatever it is and we're just like watching him and we're like oh no get oh it's like watching sports yeah. and then when he finally killed it we're like, <laughs> like just rowdy and it was such a like cool moment for this group of guys mm-hmm. around one dude playing a single player game yeah um well, and here's the thing, this may be a hot take or whatever, but I honestly think that um, what I've seen with like, especially young people playing video games together and getting together to play video games, board games, whatever, um, has actually grown community more than a lot of people's community groups. Um, and that's the funny thing, because usually it's like, grow up, get out of your house and come yeah. to our community group. And then it's like, two hours of awkwardness because we're forcing relationship on each other. And it's like, do you, uh, do you watch, uh, major league soccer? No, sorry. I don't. Yeah. Oh, um, what about golf? Do you watch golf? No. Uh, I play video games. Oh, I don't play video games. And it's just like this where you're trying to find anything, but like when you're have like a video game night or whatever, everyone who loves video games comes and builds community there. Mm Mm-hmm. And, but apparently the alternative is come to our community group and then we'll have real community. Yeah. It's funny. I like that. Yeah. I like that hot take. Yeah, thanks. I'll get into it in the the like church section, our theology section. But one of the things I wanted to talk about that I've been like, absolutely, this has been my agenda for years, even when I was like the discipleship pastor, quote unquote, at a church is if we want to have real community where we know people and we're holding each other accountable and we're challenging each other and encouraging each other and speaking to each other's lives, we need to actually do things together. Because mm-hmm. when you go, like, how many Bible studies or community groups have you been a part of where you actually barely know the people in it? You'd have no idea what's going on in their life. Yeah, Like someone in your community group could be, like, the, like not even a Christian. If they just ha- like know how to answer your community group questions, they could be not even remotely a Christian. And the whole rest of their life makes that obvious and you'd never know because yeah. you just see them at community group. Whereas like, well, and <laughs> I think playing video games with prospective pastors is good too because like when people get salty, when they get a little tilted at their video games, uh, sorry, I'm using gamer terms, when people are angry mm-hmm. or irritated <laughs> by their video games is when like kind of the true colors show. And I've seen like the most like, quiet gentle humble christian guys just like start yelling at a video game and it's yeah. like bro that was inside of you all this time like let's talk about this yeah um but yeah i guess we, we've kind of addressed like are video games inherently bad for christians no they're not inherently bad is there a healthy place for video games in christian life uh, yeah i think we've addressed that but i guess we can kind of just quickly actually we're doing all right for time uh but similar to what we've talked about like with movies where do where do we draw the line where do we draw the lines with video games like what types of games we play how much time we spend on it um there's a there's a, i think i i always give this answer but i'm gonna give it again like there's an issue of conscience with a lot of that 
Um, I think there are definitely some games that promote um, a certain way of life or even just like indulging in something. It's like, it's not your real life. Like, I'll, I'll give GTA as an example. I've played yep. GTA, like Grand Theft Auto before. Um, and I know tons of people who do, but it's not a good game. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, it's like, it's a game built on stealing cars, um, mm-hmm. picking up hookers, like all that, like crazy stuff like that. Can we say that word? I don't YouTube? know. Sorry. <laughs> That's what it is though. Yeah. And it's, it's just like, it, it's, pro- it's a game that promotes itself on that. So like, is that good for Christians to play? Probably not. Well, yeah, that was sort of the initial, whenever the first one came out, probably nineties. Yeah. Um, they actually leaned into the video games cause violence thing. They yeah. made that part of their viral marketing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, so, you know, there's that. And, but then there's also just like the content in it in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think there's specific content in, in some video games where you definitely have to watch. Um, like, especially as, um, I mean, when you get old enough, you're living on your own and everything, like you have to deal with it, your own yeah. mind and conscience and everything. Um, for parents as well, I think it's totally valid to be like, no, you're not getting that game Yeah, because I don't want you to participate in those activities, even on a video game. Yeah. Um, and I guess, well, it always becomes another discussion when we're talking about like children and, and parents, but like, I think as adults, we can discern too that like violence, violence doesn't equal violence. Mm-hmm. Like there's a difference between playing, playing a game where you're just like, randomly mugging people and beating up prostitutes or whatever like gta and uh, you know like mm, oh i lost my example like zelda where you're like smacking bokoblins or whatever like but it's more like kid friendly well yeah you know? or even just like kind of the reasoning behind it like are you fighting for good is that the message is that why there's yeah. action and violence or is this like glorifying in committing evil sinful actions like or Spider Man, that was the example I was gonna use because there's violence in Spider Man. Yeah, but like it's not the same. You're literally the hero. You're stopping crime. Yeah, and I think we like as adults we can discern that with your kids. Like, I mean, it's up to parents to decide if they want to just be like no violent games whatsoever, or if they want to make that decision and discerning what kind of violence they can. Like, can you play the Lego Star Wars game? Like. <laughs> They explode yeah. in that game. So is that good? So satisfying. It's yeah. almost more satisfying than games where someone just like <laughs> drops dead. And, like, yeah. I think the other um, part of that is like your time spent on it. Mm-hmm. Like tons of parents will be like, you get an hour of video games and then you're, we cut you off. And that's yeah. just a part of like discipline and whatever. Cool. Um, I It's probably more of a question for like older people who make their own decisions like that and don't have someone limiting their time. Um, But I I honestly, okay, I think there is an argument to be made if someone is just at home being lazy, should have a job and not getting a job uh, or not like even not trying to get a job or anything. And it's just kind of like, I just want to play video games all day. I think Mm -hmm. there's an argument of like, you need to come on, (laughs) figure it out. But um, there has been days where you know i've worked all week and then the next day i'm like i am going to sit on the couch and i'm going to play legend of zelda for a long long time Mm -hmm. and i've done that and um that is i think a legitimate way for someone to actually decompress from the week and to rest from the week which you're supposed to do sabbath rest is a thing and a lot of people it's that's why it's funny because it's like what if someone works like six days a week and on their one day off, they're like just playing video games all day. And people would be like, you play video games so much that day. That's so mm-hmm. lazy. But it's like, it, it's proportionately, they're, they're just relaxing. They're, they're chilling out uh, yeah. in a way that's like fun for them. Like there's specific games, like I mentioned Stardew Valley, Breath of the Wild, like Zelda is another one where it's just like calming for people mm-hmm. because it's like a, just the way the game presents itself and what you do in the game is very much just like relaxing listen to sermon while you play stardew valley sure why not <laughs> like <laughs> don't, you can double do up redeem it <laughs> yeah um, but that's where that's where i think sure 
like have a time limit on it, but yeah. I also think it can be a legitimate way of resting for. Yeah. Time. I think you can use this like same criteria for ad- identifying when something has become an addiction in your life. Like, is it interfering with the other aspects of your life? Like, are you late for work or performing poorly at work and exhausted because you stayed up way too late, Mm -hmm. you know, trying to get a win in Fortnite or whatever, like you didn't go to church because you're up till two in the morning trying to finish a raid in World of Warcraft. Like if it starts to cross these lines or it's keeping you from like doing regular life, but also where it's interfering with your spiritual life, then it's clearly an issue. And Mm -hmm. we can do that with anything if you're like weirdly obsessed with romance novels and you stayed up all night reading romance novels and now you're exhausted at work then that's an issue too sports yeah all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. and it starts to keep you from living life and it starts to keep you from you know practicing christian discipline and living a life honoring to god then i think that's when you can draw a pretty hard line and say okay this is something that needs to be cut out or cut back yeah What's one video game that people should play? A, a video game you would recommend right now? Right now? Yeah, your if you top like, recommendation. If you like driving games, I'm really enjoying uh, Forza Horizon 5. Cool. Yep. I haven't played a driving game in a long time. I like Mario games. Kart, if that counts. Yeah, that's sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I thought you were going to give a recommendation. Oh, I, I was waiting for you to ask me, but... What, what do you recommend? Uh, well, I always recommend Legend of Zelda, like Breath of the Wild. Yeah. And best... Probably the best game I've ever played. I'll go off the script of that, though, because I'm just a Zelda fanboy. Um, If you haven't played Horizon Zero Dawn, Mm. incredible. I need to finish it. I keep starting it, and then I get distracted. And when I come back, I don't remember the controls, so I have to restart the whole game. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I need to pick a weekend and just binge it unhealthily. (laughs) (laughs) Do nothing in excess. Yeah, that's right. Anyways... I think we can transition. I would like theology. I would like theology. I would like to propose theology. I would like to propose theology. I'd like to propose we transition to our segment on living in church community. And we're going to do paragraph 12 and 13 from chapter 26 of the 1689. As always, the link is in the video description if you're on youtube otherwise you can go to the 1689 1689.com confession sorry the 1689confession.com and scroll down a little bit and find chapter 26 and you can read along and you'll know what we're talking about so paragraph 12 says as all believers are bound to join themselves to particular churches when and where they have opportunity so to do so all that are admitted unto the privileges of a church are also under the censors and government thereof according to the rule of Christ. So I feel like that started out with very understandable old English yeah. and then it took a hard turn. I was going to say that, yeah. All that are admitted, or where is it? In, where the opportunity is, so all that are admitted unto the privilege of a church are also under, yeah. Basically what it's saying is... You need to be part of a church. All believers should be part of a local church. church. Yeah, local church. You can't go it alone. We're not meant to to lone ranger Christianity. It's the church means assembly. It's something Christ has ordained that we do this together, that we do this in community. You know, like if if the world will know his followers by the way that we love each other, it's kinda of hard to do if you're alone. Like it doesn't say ah, oh, you will know my followers by how they love themselves. <laughs> like but, and then it goes on and where it gets confusing is it's basically saying, um, yeah, everyone's held to, to attend a church wherever they have opportunity and anyone who takes part and receives the privileges of a church is also responsible to, to be under the discipline and government of a church according to the rule of Christ. Mm-hmm. So basically like in keeping with what Christ actually ordains. Yeah. It kind of piggybacks off of last week, what we talked about um, with elders and, oh yeah, last week, Mm -hmm. yeah. Elders and uh, deacons, like church government in that sense is like part of the reason for that and for membership is for the accountability of you. So um, 
you get to receive the privileges and the accountability and government of the mm-hmm. church as well. And I'm actually, let's do the notes backwards. Let's talk about that quickly. Cause I think that'll be quick, but yeah, it's, if you're under, if you're taking part, if you're enjoying the privileges of the church and we'll break down what those are in a second, mm-hmm. we're also under the discipline and government uh, Hebrews thirteen seventeen is sort of like the go-to passage for this is obey your leaders and submit to them since they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account so that they can do this with joy and not with grief for that would be unprofitable for you. So saying we we submit to leaders because they're seeking after, they're watching over our souls. They're going to be held accountable for our spiritual state. So it's actually in our best interest to submit to these people that should have our best interests in mind spiritually, mm-hmm. um, which is sort of like this this double accountability. Like we're, we're accountable to our leaders to submit to them, and they're accountable to God to actually lead yeah. well. I think that is, that's what I wanted to bring up is like not an unquestioned submission mm-hmm. because I, it has been... I know a lot of people, when they say they've kind of left church or whatever, um, one of the reasons is this idea of like, well, there was no questioning the man, mm-hmm. like the pastor or whatever. And um, and then like you often hear this theology of like obey your leaders and submit to them. And people are like, but that dude, uh, he did not deserve my submission at all. Mm-hmm. And I think that's totally fair. And that's what you're saying is like the dual accountability there is like, not unquestioned submission. Um, Cause I've even heard that from, from people before where it's like a key thing is to submit to leaders cause they're God given God's put them in that position. And we totally 100% affirm that at the same time, if they're off base at all, um, that's when things need to be dealt with. There. Mm-hmm. So it's cause they're watching, they're actually genuinely watching over your soul is yeah. when you, you know, submission to them. And I think that's, that's kind of, part of the the privileges too so like what are the privileges of being part of a church well the obvious one is corporate worship like attending mm-hmm. that service worshiping with the people of god like it's yeah it's uh it's something that i mean when we were in covid lockdown we couldn't all worship together it's definitely something i missed there is a difference between being alone like even as a musician where i can play guitar and sing like it's not quite the same as when there's a group of people and we're all worshiping together. There's something that just seems right about that. Like it's really a little bit of a taste of, of what is ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was the weird thing in COVID when people are doing like zoom meetings and trying to mm-hmm. do worship is like, it's like two people in their house yeah, singing. And then like, maybe you would see some people singing over the screen, but it's just different. And then when you, like when people finally went back and like, there was kind of a full church again and mm-hmm. you saw everyone, it was like you realized that was something that was really missed out on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the other privilege, I've kind of created a category for this. So this, this is a Codyism. I'm going to say the other privilege or another major privilege of the church is sanctifying relationships, which is what we'd often call mm-hmm. accountability, but I think we totally butcher that word and misuse it and misapply it to everything. (laughs) But I think sanctifying relationships, it's relationships that are are progressing you in holiness, moving you towards Christ. Relationships where we watch over each other, we encourage each other, we challenge each other, and we call out each other's sin, not in like a putting down accusatory way, but in in calling each other to obedience, exhorting towards holiness. You know, it's it's a relationship where... We actually properly know each other. We can speak into each other's lives. Like mm-hmm. like I said, that guy that you barely know in your community group who might not even be a Christian, you don't really have the authority, the relational authority to say, hey, you smoke a lot, maybe stop smoking. Yeah. I mean, if that's even a sin, like that's another yeah. discussion. But like, like, yeah, a privilege of the church that I, that I I'll say this uh, – but I'm saying it in the form of a question, so I'm opening up for you to say what you think. I think that sanctifying relationships is a privilege of the church that we could, like, hard neglect. Um, Yes. Yeah. Do you want me to to add to it? (laughs) Um, Yeah, because um, 
Well, there's a few things. I think one of the big ones is call out each other's sin is, yeah, you get those people who, you know, you show up to their community group once or you meet them for the first time. Mm -hmm. They see you doing something that they don't think is right and they'll just like come at you for it. And you're like, whoa, you have like no context for for what's going on. Um, And so like there's obviously that, but then also like there's a lot of times where we just don't talk about it and we kind of avoid it because it's awkward mm-hmm. um like i've been in community group settings where like it, it, like people were would leave and go and get drunk and stuff after and everyone knew mm-hmm. and, and it was just kind of this thing of like oh they're so great i'm so glad they're here yeah <laughs> but like they but it was like it wasn't just like someone who's like not a christian who it was invited and is just kind of checking things out but like people who were like actively parts of part of the church right Mm -hmm. um i think yeah i think a lot of it comes down to i think we feel awkward with a lot of these things like even encouraging each other um i can remember a time in bible school where i was in a car with like three or four other people and this one we were just like talking about whatever this one guy was like kyle what have you been thankful for in for god recently I was like, what? <laughs> and everyone in the car was like, what is this dude talking about? Like, we're just driving to Starbucks. Um, but, like, it felt awkward because no one does it as yeah. well. Um, and it's not, like, a common thing. And I think there's a way in which th- that is totally awkward. And it's like, what are you trying yeah. to do here? But um, but it's just something that, like, we're not very open about, like, oh, I just, like, I got a- this great job offer at work. And, like, I can really see God providing for me in this mm-hmm. time. Like you don't just, people aren't just saying that naturally. So then when someone's like, I feel like we should talk about thankfulness more. It's really awkward. Cause it's like, are you trying to like be better than us? Or like, what are you yeah. doing? I guess there's like the two, the two facets. It's like in the context where we talk like that, mm-hmm. where we, we speak about our faith and talk about what we're thankful for and all those things aren't the same context where we're open and vulnerable with people and build meaningful relationships. Yeah. So like you, you need to build those meaningful relationships, but you also need to be willing to actually like bring your faith into that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, well, I, the one bullet point that I put there that I missed too is, is preaching the, the gospel to each other. And there's a, there's a book, I believe it's called, Gospel Fluency by Jeff Vanderstelt. He also has a book called Saturate about community groups, mm-hmm. which I highly recommend. Gospel Fluency, I didn't finish because it's a lot of the same, just different perspective. Yeah. But he talks about finding ways in everyday life. Like he's helping a guy recite his house. And while he's reciting his house, the guy is like super mad, just like livid that uh, out of all the people that agreed to come help only the pastor came and nobody else actually came even though they said they're going to come help mm-hmm. and the pastor is like okay how do we apply the gospel to the situation how do we speak truth into it which yeah is going to feel awkward when we don't practice it like it's going to when it's going to be awkward um like well, I've I've definitely dropped the ball I've had times where I'm at work and someone's basically just like so what exactly did Jesus do and I'm like, it's yeah. cross, de- death, sin. And it's like, oh, no, yeah. oh, I fumbled it. But we need to just constantly be speaking into each other's lives, preaching the gospel. But that also means like being in those situations where you're seeing a person's true colors. You're seeing what they're actually like. You're, you're, people would say like doing life, mm-hmm. which has almost become like a cliche. But you could just say living life together, yeah. going about life together, like I think it was Jeff Vanderstelt who also brings up the idea of like um, churches typically will do this thing where they're like, we now have a hockey ministry where we play hockey on Monday nights Mm -hmm. and we have a church baseball team where we all play baseball with other churches. And he's like, why don't you join the baseball team in the city? Yeah. (laughs) Like, like it's so funny because we try to do that kind of thing where it's like, it's, it's ball hockey, but at church Mm -hmm. and it's our thing. Um, and he's like, there's a, there's ball hockey leagues you could join with a couple of people and actually be interacting with, yeah. you know, and then you're, you as believers are going and doing that together, but you're also like with unbelievers at the same time mm-hmm. being a witness for it. Yeah. He also, one thing that I'm very much an apologist for that's Vander Stelting, so credit to him <laughs> is he gives the 
the idea of for your community group, instead of being like, we're going to come sit in, you know, the McLean's living room and read Ephesians or answer five questions about this last Sunday's sermon saying like, do something mm-hmm. like be like as a community group, we're going to hike if you're into that or like a meal is the easiest one. Yeah. If your base premise is you all get together and have a meal together, then you have conversation and you have genuine organic conversation. And if you're a, a leader and you're actually taking responsibility as a leader, you can bring the conversation around to meaningful things and you can, you can bring up the sermon on Sunday in a natural way. instead mm-hmm. of just giving people like a list of, of Sunday school questions to answer off and rattle off quickly. And I still think I would love to start a, a, community group based around Dungeons and Dragons or like some sort of tabletop game like that. Yeah. Cause I think it brings together interesting people. And I've had some like crazy vulnerable conversations with people about their faith over like a board game. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why not just be intentional about that? Have that be your thing and make that your community group. Yeah. I think it's a thing where people just don't know what to do. Like mm-hmm. they're like, what do you mean? We can just have dinner together. Yeah. Don't we have to be learning something? I think there's something to be said. It's funny because it's always two-sided. Like when, on one hand, I'm, I'd be a huge advocate for like you do, there needs to be like the church educating its people. Mm-hmm. And so one of the ways in which they, they have typically gone about that is to like do a community group where someone leads in like a devotional and then has questions. Yeah. Um, but like, honestly, at the same time, I find like, the the sermon on Sunday, you should be giving your congregation a lot to think about and they can talk about it throughout the week. Just Mm -hmm. naturally, you should be, you should be promoting it naturally. So like when they come, when they get together on like a Tuesday, like they don't need more teaching in that sense Yeah, because you've given them so like a lot on Sunday, like what they need in those moments is like people encouraging them and like building those relationships. Mm -hmm. I think we over, um, we over teach sometimes in that sense where it's yeah. like we come on Sunday morning and we learn and then you come on Sunday night for young adults Bible study. Then you come on Tuesday for community group and it's all just like sermon, sermon, yeah. sermon. I, I think it's, I've put this cleverly before. Yeah. I think it's the difference of we do a lot of speaking at people and not a lot of speaking with people mm-hmm. and you need both. Like, cause there's a, a point where it's like, I study the Bible a lot and I spent years and years in school being taught the Bible and how to study it well and all these things. So like a context where people just shut up and let me teach them Mm -hmm. is good for for us. It's helpful. And it's something that's modeled in scripture, but you also need times where people just have discussions or people ask questions because they're, they're, people who I've been teaching for a year or more more in a church who then when we're actually having a conversation, they ask a question that reveals that they just completely misunderstood something. Yeah. And it's like, we could have just kept talking at them and never letting them speak and we never would have known. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's hard. It's hard <laughs> to do because people don't, they want a structure for mm-hmm. things. I think that's why we're very dependent on like the typical ministries and typical programs. Mm. And you, you want like to be like, you're a community group leader. So here's your outline for this week. And that's like a safety net for a lot of people. And it's kind of, it's almost scary for them to be like, have invite Cody, invite four people over next week for dinner Mm -hmm. and just hang out and see how people are doing. It's kind of weird, weird for people. I I think it's a matter of just, it's hard to find leaders and people who want to be leaders. Cause I think like if we're training people in our church and we're raising up elders and deacons, as we discussed last week, like training these people to be leaders, we should be equipping them to be able to just naturally bring a conversation around. Like I can mm-hmm. think of their people, people in my life who I've learned so much just from conversations with them over coffee mm-hmm. or even like uh, one of my f- favorite professors, I'll just name drop him, Keong Beck. Learned a lot from his classes, but learned so much more from times that I'd just like go sit with him in a common room and be like, hey, what's going on? Yeah. What do you think about this? And just have like an actual conversation. 
mm-hmm. and be able to b- bounce ideas back and forth. And I think, yeah, it's hard because like even your church leaders don't like often don't want to lead or they're often have never been empowered or platformed to lead They're They've kind of had their hand held so much. It's like, yeah, you're a leader, but here's your script of everything you're allowed to say. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's not really leading anymore. It's kind of like campus pastors, <laughs> the satellite churches. You're just reading off of yeah. thing. Yeah. Just do what you're supposed yeah. to. But like actually equipping leaders is equipping them to speak and, t- and teach for themselves. And it is hard, but I think I'd, I'd challenge people if you are leading a group or something to just try it. Mm-hmm. And like it is going to be awkward and weird, but try to just naturally bring the conversation around or unnaturally, like, I mean, we, we both know Sean. Sean's really good at it, mm-hmm. like, just suddenly hijacking a conversation <laughs> to make it about the gospel. But there definitely are also times where you're, like, talking about something. He's like, well, you know what the Bible says, like, Sean, stop. <laughs> <laughs> like, not right now. Yeah. Like, but, yeah, you guys need to push through the awkward. And, uh, I don't know. It's almost it's like practicing, right? Mm-hmm. Like even like anything we do, like the little thing at work, I was installing and uninstalling doorknobs, which is weird. But, Fun. like, yeah, the first few was like trying to get the little screw lined up was crazy. And it was taking me like five minutes per doorknob. And then today I had to take them all out again because we realized we have to paint the doors. And I was just <laughs> flying. It was so fast. But, like, that's anything. You just have to keep doing it and sucking at it until you don't suck at it yeah 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 anyways <laughs> moving on do you want to read yeah. this next paragraph uh yeah so that was all about being a part of a community and now uh when a community hurts so uh paragraph 13 says no church members upon any offense taken by them having performed their uh their duty required of them towards the person they are offended at ought to disturb any church order or ab- absent themselves from the assemblies of the church or administration of the ordinances upon the account of such offense at any of their fellow members, but to wait upon Christ in further proceeding of the church. Another difficult one to read. Yeah. Um, basically, what it's saying is that um, no church members should um, remove themselves from the church because of an issue or a hurt that they yeah. have from the church, but trust Christ that um, he will work things yeah. out. Ha- it's having performed their duty required of them, which what we'll get into is like Jesus lays out how to handle disagreements and disputes within the church, but it's like go about that. And then even if you have done that, like don't, don't just leave. And it says, uh, was it disturb the, disturb any church order mm-hmm. um yeah don't just like become an enemy of the church because you disagreed with don't someone. blow things up on the way out kind of thing yeah yeah which uh i don't know i could think of people i definitely left a church once because you in the middle of the sermon someone would stand up and be like pastor i disagree i was yeah. like Oh my gosh. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm not, no, thank you. <laughs> and it happened like every Sunday, but oh my gosh. like, if you have a disagreement, like just approach the person personally, one-on-one, don't make a scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, so I'll say this, this paragraph kind of states it as a, it's assumed that offense and disagreements, it's going to happen that we yeah. should expect to at some point be offended or have a disagreement with someone in the church because the church is full of sinners. We're all sinners. Yeah. Yeah. Or uh, another word is hurt as well. Like offended by them, have disagreements with them or yeah. hurt by them. We, we kind of lump all those in with what it's saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, I, I, I think it's an interesting one and I didn't bring this up to you before because I wanted to kind of give your get your raw reaction to it. But I, I think this is a really interesting paragraph and I think um, I would push back on a lo- on it a little bit more now actually um, than I would have maybe a few years ago mm-hmm. um, because what it seems to say to me, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, is that like if you've been hurt by the church, um, you should not leave that church or step away from it for a time, but you should just keep going and keep sticking it out and just trust that God's going to work things out. Yeah. And personally, I think that 
I wouldn't agree fully with that anymore. Yeah. I think there's situations where that's true, more on the side of like you if you and I had a disagreement like about how things were done at church or theologically or something. Mm-hmm. 100% I think I agree with this. But I think when it's like an offense from some person or you've been hurt by some person or the church or whatever, I do now think it is valid to take some time away from that situation. Yeah, yeah I don't think that... Like, I mean, I don't know the heart behind it, but I don't imagine that they're saying, like, you can never leave a church. And that was one of my questions is, is is there time and a place? Like, when is it okay to leave a church? But I think it's kind of what it's addressing is that leaving is is usually, like, the easy option, the easy way out. Mm -hmm. Like, if you disagree with someone, just leave. And I think in, in... combination with like the previous paragraph the the issue there is that you're often continuing to hurt yourself especially if it's with like another member the disagreement mm-hmm. like because well i know i've had a number of friends who've deconstructed and completely left the faith and often what they say is one of the hardest things is like losing that community yeah and like it's similar like if you're you have a disagreement with someone and it's not resolving easily just removing yourself from the privileges of church, from that sanctifying relationships, from the the corporate worship is actually just kind of hurting you more. Mm-hmm. But I, d- I definitely think there are times where those relationships aren't sanctifying. Mm-hmm. Those relationships are hurt, hurtful and you could get corporate worship at any assembly, frankly. Yeah. And that's where I, I think it's a, I think it's just a very interesting, um, paragraph and perspective today because i think a lot of people have gotten the advice even myself right it's like well you just need to be going you just need to go to church like you just need you just need to go back and like deal with it and i think for a lot of people that actually hurts them more yeah because every week and if it's a offense from someone like 100 percent, go to them and be like you know what you said or what you did offended me in this way and it really hurt me but oftentimes that's not received properly. Mm-hmm. And then it's just like, so do you just continue on or whatever? And I think that's the advice a lot of people get is like, well, you two need to just figure it out. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot more um, that needs to be to be said about that. I think the where this is coming from is that um, I find myself thinking like the church has focused so much on program and it as an institution mm-hmm. um that it's forgotten that it's a a collection of people yeah and within that um a lot of hurt can happen so i know a lot of like um when we moved here and we showed up to churches people were like well you, you should get involved in a community group and this and this and we were like no <laughs> like we did we were not yeah. personally ready to like do any of that and, um, but that was the only, that's the only solution we have a lot of times is you're like, well, join the men's group or join a community mm-hmm. group or whatever. But a lot of it comes down to like having a sit down interaction with someone and talking it through yeah. with them and being like, it's totally cool that you're not ready to approach this, but let's get you on that path towards it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and yeah, I agree. And I'm not in a hurry to lead worship at a church again anytime soon. Right. Yeah, that'd and, be an example. And, of that, and yeah. frankly, I think when I bring that up and a pastor brings up like the parable of the talents and is like, you're not using your talents. Mm-hmm. I actually think that's spiritual manipulation. Yeah. I think that's that's not right for them to do. Because also it's not like I'm not that good at guitar. Like it's not my biggest talent. I think I'm a much yeah. better preacher than I'm probably a better leader. than most people in churches. Maybe, <laughs> but but it's just like a th- it's someone trying to use scripture to get me to volunteer for the thing that they want me to volunteer for, and yeah. I think that's that's like bordering on abuse. Well, that's what I mean by like thinking more about program than people. Yeah, is like they just need someone to lead worship on Sunday the sixteenth mm-hmm. instead of like oh, you've had a really bad experience with worship leading, so you want to kind of, like, step away yeah. from that for a little bit. When, so, yeah, I do want to address, like, the biblical, the order of bringing up a dispute, too, but I've definitely had to, one, well, actually, here, let's read it, because I'm going to reference yeah. it in this little story I'm going to share. Yeah, because it's something that we talked about last week, too, about church membership, but it also is related to not as formal as membership, but as, like, personal yeah. relationships. Okay, 
In Matthew 18, starting in verse 15, Jesus says, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and tax collector. Truly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed. So it's giving this model. If you have an issue with someone, go talk to them directly. And mm-hmm. then if they're like, nah, forget you, then go like get some friends or some elders, like th- go talk to them with some other people, like get a third party, a third opinion kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and then some if they up, yeah. And then if they're clearly like this, ah, forget you. Then, then you go to the church, which I think we often it translates pastor, but it doesn't mean like the assembly, like go mm-hmm. to the to a larger group of people, which might be like your board or yeah. whatever, and someone with authority, and then discipline comes into account, which we talked more about last episode, so we don't need to reiterate yeah. it all. But I'll say, like, in my personal experiences, because I've also been in a situation where I was like, this church situation sucks. Like, the like the board was basically conspiring against me. Like, I know mm-hmm. I think they'd resist that language and not like it, but <laughs> but frankly, I'll back you up on that. Well, <laughs> and the the thing that really frustrated me, really hurt me, is that it was people who had issues with me or something I said, and never said anything to me. Mm-hmm. They went to the board and were like, "Discipline him." Yeah, and the board was like, "Okay." Yeah, as completely just skipping all of this. And then some of those things, I mean, maybe, maybe I'm just unrepentant, but some of the things are like, Oh, Cody said something that sounded Calvinist when we don't like that. And the board's like, you're not allowed to say Calvinist things anymore. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, that's not real. Yeah. Like that's not real. You can't s- say that. That's not a real like thing. I didn't do anything wrong mm-hmm. by teaching scripture, how I understand it. But yeah, I had the point where people would be making offhand comments or I'd have people on the staff like sit me down, explain to me how I'm super immature because I disagreed with someone older than me and mm-hmm. disagreeing with someone older than me is a sign of my immaturity. And it was just like mad patronizing and demeaning. And when I went to my mentor with a denomination was like, hey, I think I'm going to leave this church. They're like, no, just stick with it. Stick it out. Yeah. You have to, you can't ever leave a church. You have to suffer through this. It'll be good for you. It builds character. And, but then everyone's always like unity, unity. And what they meant by unity was I'll just conform and fall in line. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where it goes to that level of like, yeah, spiritual abuse. I would, I would agree with that where it's like, yeah, well, for the sake of unity, you need to stay. Like when I made the decision to leave my position as a, uh, as a pastor at a church, um, I, I'd done actually the, I I went to the person directly, Mm -hmm. talked about my issues, went to uh, some elders, talked about it and just did not resolve. So then I came to the point where I was like, well, I guess I have to leave. And I left and people were like, think about the children. Think about (laughs) like, you can't leave. And I was just like, it was this weird thing where it was like, like you're not even here like i haven't Mm. even talked to you about this and it's just like but people say like for the sake of the program or for the sake of unity you need to stick it out and um i would agree i don't think that's what this is saying but i think that's typically where we go with it yeah yeah when i yeah and i I guess just kind of summarize like church hurt is real and sometimes you do just need to re- remove yourself from an abusive situation mm-hmm. or an abusive relationship. Um, but also, like, I know of people who've left a church over something a pastor said and never talked to the pastor or never followed through and never Masks. did anything. Yeah. Or, like, yeah, just, like, Stuff what it's like pushing against is just taking the easy way out, just being like, huh, uncomfortable, I quit. Like, mm-hmm. just, like, actually make some effort to have conversations and to to go through the, the, the biblical process. Yeah. And then, yeah, I do, it does kind of give the impression of it saying, like, never leave. But I also think, like, ex- exegeting it at the time, 
you probably had like one church per village. Yeah, yeah that's fair. So it's like your option is stay in the church or don't be part of a church. Mm-hmm. Whereas now there's like probably four or five churches within a five minute drive of us right now. Yeah. And like, yeah, they're not all as spiritually solid maybe, but like, or even I drive 30 minutes to a church on literally the opposite end of the city. Yeah. So. There's options. Yeah. Well, and that's what I think that's what it's saying to kind of like bring this, start bringing this to a close is like, it also says you shouldn't disturb the church order, which means like, uh, I, I think also points to the fact that if there's a time and reason that's valid to leave and you've gone through all the process and everything, you don't, you know, blow the thing up on the way yeah. out. And you just like, you've said your piece, you've done it now, go and be a part of of the new community and don't go to that one and be like, yeah, he's, he's fools over there in that church and mm-hmm. just ripping on them all the time definitely um yeah we kind of answered all these questions how can we build sanctifying relationships in our church communities just actually be open with people yeah. and with the people you're actually open with and vulnerable with talk about your faith like especially mm-hmm. like if you're both christians and you know it actually just talk about it sometime be the awkward friend make it weird um how do we deal with disagreement offense? Got that. When is it okay to leave a church? Got that. Is there a time and place to disrupt a church over a disagreement? So he said, don't blow it up and make pe- and like try to yeah. get people to leave. Is there a time when we do? Well, if they're heretical. Yeah. The, yeah. I Yeah, if they're heretical, I'd be warning people and I'd be like talking to the denomination and everything. But other than that, probably not. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. If like if you're like dis- publicly and everything. If your disagreement so. is that the church is like, hey, uh, we've decided that we need to obey Jewish law for salvation now, then you're gonna be like, All right, everyone out. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, let's get out of here. No longer a Christian church. But yeah, generally like one well, the so the next paragraph after this, which we're we're not gonna spend too much time on it gets into this idea of praying for all other churches. Mm-hmm. And like, even if you don't fully agree on everything, even if you have differences in like doctrine, if you, if it's a church that's been planted in Christ, that's preaching the gospel that we need to be praying for all these other churches. And I, I think it's valid too. If you've, if you've been hurt by a church, like Christ tells us to pray for our enemies. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I often think like the, the kind of the sweetest vindication or relief is when someone is, is confronted by the Holy spirit and then apologizes and does better. Not when something horrible happens to them. Yeah. Like I would much rather people who hurt me have an encounter with the spirit and be convicted than them like get sick or hurt or something like that's not real justice yeah so we that's why we pray for our enemies and that's heaping heaping hot coals on their head is that the phrasing yeah and i think that's kind of what it means is it's like because because god's approach god's conviction is a lot like better is sweeter justice than if you just punch them in the face because they're a jerk yeah makes sense (laughs) Okay. Anyways. That was good. Yeah. Closing remarks? No. Okay. Nothing. <laughs> and there we go. Yep. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Especially those of you who are here live. We appreciate you being here. And those of you who listen to this later, we appreciate you just as much. We want to hear from you. Uh, if you disagree with us, if you agree with us, if you have a video game you'd like to recommend if you think video games are evil you can comment too we we might reply if it's sensible um but yeah comments questions snide remarks leave us a comment on youtube or you can send us a message on instagram at sinner suffers or you can join the discord and we can have an actual real-time conversation that is open to the community so you might have others chime in as well Um, which is fun because sometimes people have another perspective than us that's better and smarter and it can get really interesting Mm -hmm. if you'd like to support us best thing you can do is well if you're on youtube like it um leaving a comment helps boost it too but then share it with people who you think might appreciate it share it with people who 
if you think it's dumb and you need someone to affirm you and how dumb it is, share it with them too. They can watch. We'll take their view. Um, but yeah, whatever platform you're on, leaving a rating. If you're on Apple Podcasts, like actually writing out a review, even if you're just like, meh, it does a little bit to help boost our visibility and that goes a long way for us. If you want to support us more practically, we have a Patreon. You can give monthly. You can give very little amounts uh, where it's almost more like a pat on the back but if we get enough people in there we'd love to do some exclusive stuff like go through books together or whatever else you also can buy coffee from vine coffee co using the code sinners drink coffee to get 15 percent off and that's kyle's company so it, it actually goes directly to him and you get something for it it's not just like a donation which i guess means it's not like tax <laughs> tax free or whatever but but you actually, yeah, you're actually like getting something good. You're getting some really solid coffee instead of just giving money and feeling good about it. Um, I think that's it. Yep. I think so. <laughs> See so, you yeah. week. <laughs>